Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of James Talks. It's great to have you all here again today. Um, today I've got with me uh, another guest, um, Dr. Teresa Larson, who is a, uh, a, doctor, a physiotherapist and does lots of teaching on wellness and works out of, um, where is it, San Diego, um, which is in California. So, <laughs> yeah, so welcome, Teresa. It's great to have you on. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. All right. Thank you. Um, I feel yeah. like I'm visiting um, London, you know, <laughs> uh, <by> doing this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, Teresa. So just tell us, um, just kind of tell us a bit about what you do at the moment, and then we'll get into a bit of your okay. story. So, James, I'm a, I'm a doctor of physical therapy, and I run my own physical therapy practice here in Southern California. And I, um, so I run a physical therapy practice. Basically, I'm working with people outside of insurance, so mostly cash pay just because I can, I have the confidence to get people better pretty quickly, so I end up saving them time and money, mm. um, and it's more efficient for me, too. Uh, I go around teaching clinics on mobility and movement, depending on what the performance center or gym wants. So let's say their athletes have a lot of shoulder issues. Maybe they're golfers. Maybe there is a soccer team. So I cater my clinics around what is needed. Um, but really working with people to help them prepare themselves so they don't get injured. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, yes, people come to see me if they're injured, but I'm really trying to open people's eyes to the fact that they need to do daily maintenance to help themselves. Right, I see. Wow. So, okay, that's about what you do. Just, I know you've got a really interesting story. Um, Teresa's got a book out uh, coming, um, well, by the time this podcast is out, it'll be, it'll be out, um, called uh, Warrior, which is a memoir about, um, well, how she got to where she is now, and because she's got a very interesting story. So, uh, Teresa, just tell us a bit about that story and you know, how, how it all began kind of thing. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so I have a book that's uh, being released April 5th. <laughs> so it's in the, we call it like a soft launch phase. Um, it's about five weeks out now. But it's, um, it's a memoir about my life and pieces of it. You know, memoir is supposed to be kind of dramatic, so they're the more dramatic parts of my life that have kind of <laughs> yeah. free, you know, got me to where I am today. The dramatic ones make for the story, right? So, yeah. um, but I, I talk about, you know, my life growing up with a single father and two older brothers, very competitive environment. Um, I discuss how I lost my mother at a very young age and being a very sensitive soul and introverted you know, it's, um, that was a huge impact on my life and it was a, it was a change. It changed me, which it does every person. If you've lost a loved one yeah. in your formidable years, um, it's, it, it does something to you. Yes, it does. But the thing I learned from my yeah. mother was, you know, life goes on. You need to, you can make the choice, be resilient. You can make the choice to go on with your life and make it a good one. Don't use excuses of loss and whatnot to get in the way of what you want. It definitely will impact you at times and you will grieve, but allow yourself to do that. Um, and that's easier said than done, right? So yeah. 
moving forward with my life, I became very, very, very competitive. And so in high school and college, I was very good at sports and, um, being very sensitive and introverted, I got a lot of attention at being really good at sports. And so my self-definition began, like my self-esteem kind of grew off of this fame, you know, bought from being a really good athlete. And so I felt like the more attention I got, the more pressure I put on myself. Mm. And so I couldn't lose. And everything was reliant on other people's approval, what people would say about me, wands or losses, numbers I got on tests, etc. So as you can probably imagine, people who can relate to this, it's an up and down kind of feeling you have. It's like your self-definition isn't coming from inside, it's coming from how you perform. And so I was kind of on the slippery slope of hitting a wall at some point, but I didn't know that, you know, I didn't, I just thought, well, this is normal. This is a normal way to grow up. And, and to be honest, I know I'm not alone in that department. Um, now, once I went into college, you know, experienced, I met some wonderful people and learned more about myself, but there's still a lot of pressure on yeah. me. Um, and I did ROTC and I played softball. I mean, it was very demanding two different extracurricular activities on top of my college education. Mm, So it's just like, I kind of just love to add on stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I still, to this day, I still have lots of things going on in my life, but I'm much more able to manage them and Mm. say no. But at the time in college, it was like, no, I wasn't very good at managing my life and being able to manage my emotions and where my self-esteem came from. It always came from my accomplishments. I had to accomplish to be happy or to be feel like I was worth it. So kind of your, your identity, your security was coming in stuff you did. um, Yes. Rather than who you were. Yeah. That's a theme is like in the, what I write about is perfectionism. You know, perfectionism behind being a perfectionist, basically it's, it's, there's not, there's not, you can't be a perfectionist. You can't be perfect as a human being. You shouldn't even mm-hmm. strive for it. So what, what you should strive for is excellence, but you know, being the best person you can be, but behind perfectionism is shame, Yeah, right? Absolutely. Behind shame and seeking self-approval from seeking approval from others. And that's not, not what you should be doing, but okay, it still happens. So how do you not do that? Well, that's probably a whole different podcast, you know, but I do, <laughs> I do, I have learned, I have learned some ways, but moving, um, after college, I went into the Marine Corps. So now the pressure was on, right? The pressure was on and I really couldn't mess up in my heart and mind. I felt that way because here I'm in charge of Marines here I am going to prepare for war. I asked for this, so I'm going to basically do it. I'm going to do the best I can. I wanted to set an example as a woman Marine. Couldn't mess up. There's very few of us, so it was like just more pressure. Hmm. And oh, by the way, at the same time, I'm doing fitness modeling and you know, doing these other things that also create a lot of body pressure. Yeah, Looking a certain way, eating a certain way, you can't mess up. So it was just like the pressure was like, you know, mounting up Mm. and, um, 
in my first year as a platoon commander, as an engineer, I, of course, performance-wise, nobody knew I was struggling. Like, I wouldn't let anyone know that because if I let someone know that, that would be considered a weakness, perceived yeah. as a weakness, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and That's even I would, if a Marine needed help, I would see that as a weakness. So, I mean, I had the Marine mentality too. And so I, um, but I ended up developing an eating disorder, uh, mm-hmm. which it's right now in the United States, it's National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. So I ended up developing an eating disorder called bulimia, which eating disorders in general are very widely misunderstood diseases right. okay. to include, I mean, I didn't know much about it myself and I didn't even want to consider it being an eating disorder because I'm like, I don't look like someone with an eating disorder. What is that supposed to mean? You know, yeah. but yeah, so. I just was like, I would, I refuse to admit I had an issue. Um, so, but I developed this so-called eating disorder and it was just like, what is going on with me? It was like every moment there is a high or a low, which was basically every day there's my eating disorder. It's there to kind of pick me up. Yeah. You know? And so it became a crutch, a major crutch. And it got in the way of my ability to function, you know, focus. Um, it got in the way of my ability to hold good relationships, communicate effectively, think effectively. And, and so it came a point where I was calling my dad for help and I was deployed to Iraq and my dad was, um, hurt. He was very hurt that I was hurting, obviously, cause he loves me. You know, it's like, mm, yeah, absolutely. You know, he yeah. loves me. My, my dad, um, at the time was a Catholic priest. Okay. So very, very religious man and someone who lost his wife. And so it was like hearing me struggle, especially in the work I was doing, which wasn't exactly like sitting down desk job work, you know, um, mm. he was scared. And so it was kind of through his love and through just me getting smart as to like, okay, I cannot function effectively when I'm on convoys. No one knew I was sick. No one even guessed, you know, it was Mm -hmm. very interesting. Like I was able to hide it pretty well until I couldn't until I realized if I'm, I'm going to hurt somebody, I'm not going to, there's going to be one day I'm not going to be on my A game and I'm not on my A game now, but there's going to be one day where I could potentially get hurt and someone else could, and that's not okay. So, um, one thing led to the other, I came home, got treatment and, um, you know, it wasn't all peaches and cream after that. It's for sure. That's when the real healing began. Mm. But the whole point is that asking for help was, took a lot of courage. You know, it was like everything was going against that. Yeah. Being, you looked as weak, look, having a mental issue you can't put your finger on. It's like all of those things, society just doesn't understand. It doesn't, in the military especially, it's like a typical female kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was, I refused to want to fit into that, but I, I had to like let that ego go. So and I had to yeah. really kind of tap into, okay. God wants me around. <laughs> I'm a special human being, so let me figure out why I'm special and start to heal. Yeah. You have to make so. that you have to make that decision. I mean it's yeah, it's a challenge that because you've got to actually make that decision and then follow through on it, haven't you? It's not just 
you know, recognition, recognizing the problem is obviously the first stage of dealing with a problem. But then you've got to actually act on that and, and follow through because um, that's the only way you actually get healing and get change, isn't it? So Yes. Yeah. So, so that's that's a, the story, part, parts of the story anyway. Um, they go into a lot more detail as to, like, when you read the book, Warrior, you're kind of in my mind. Like, you really, it takes you into my mind, which is what's kind of cool about it, of what it's like you know, to have this addiction, which is similar to alcohol and drug. Yeah. Similar to other ones. So, you know, that, that's, what's very intriguing about it is in the sense that this is real. This isn't like cookie cutter. Oh, I'm healed. This is great now. Like this is an everyday battle and it's, I don't have an eating disorder anymore, but there is the underlying depression and anxiety that comes with having gone through trauma. Right. And I'm not, you know, it's, there's a lot of stigma behind mental illness in general. Yes, there is. Yeah. And I will be completely honest to say that it's still sometimes hard for me to say, yes, I have depression. Yes, I have anxiety, but it's true. But I've learned how to, I've learned so many ways to help myself on a daily basis. And it's a com- basis and it comes down to a choice. It's like, I could sit here and be miserable but there's, but if I keep perspective and I do the things to help myself every day, like meditation and self-care and training and engaging with good people and providing affirmations for myself, like all of those things help so much. So wow, that's fascinating. It's interesting because I, I lost a parent as well. Okay. Um, I was a bit older than you. I was 23. Um, but nevertheless, I definitely responded in a way you know much like you except I did the opposite um, because comfort eating for me was was, was the thing I over it you know so I put on tons of weight and you know got addicted to sugar kind of in a sense and that happened that went on for years really just you know okay. and, I, and, it, and there's no doubt looking back now um and I'm still a little bit overweight now, but I'm in the process of losing weight. Um, but I'm nowhere near what I was at all. <laughs> um, yeah. much, much, I'm much healthier now. But looking back, I was a lot. I was quite. I was quite sluggish, and I was. I didn't have much energy, and I didn't have much motivation, and was pretty down. You know, and it took me a while to realise I needed help. You know, um, I needed to get you know counselling and stuff, and yeah. Um, you know, for kind of anger stuff to do with what had, what had happened. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a slow process, but it's important because, you know, when, as you know, when, when, when you lose somebody like that, it affects you and you need to talk about it and you need to deal with it. And there is going to be a response somehow. You just have to, yeah. And it's going to be different for everybody, obviously. It is. Um, I think you have, the thing is you have to let yourself grieve you know, it's the, I think it's easy, the angry, the anger can you kind of want to replace it with something. It's like you want to do something about your anger instead of just be angry, mm. you know, do something about your sadness versus be sad. It's not comfortable to be sad. It's not comfortable to be angry, but I, um, you know, I lost my father tragically a year 
and a half ago. Oh, no, and so it was just, you know, there was nothing I could do other than grieve. And of course there was thoughts that came up like old tapes of, of course there's things I can do to help myself alleviate the, the pain that you feel, mm. but it's better to just bask in it, be there and actually take in the good from the memories you had and yeah. just, just feel it. That's part of being human is feeling right. Everybody wants to take a drug to stop the pain. You know, childbirthing is, I mean, I haven't had a child yet, but it's like so typical to, I can't stay on the pain. I'm going to, you know, and I, there's lots of different reasons. Some people can bear pain more, but part of the human process is like grieving, feeling pain. If you give birth to a child, there's going to be pain. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So if you can accept it and allow yourself to go through it, much more manageable. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not, you know, the loss of your parent is, you know, however old you are, it's not easy. It's just, it's going to get different over time. You know, the, the acuteness of it will be different because it won't be as acute, but you can rewire your brain to take in the good. Like if you have a sad moment, you can think about a good memory and it helps you kind of, that sadness kind of turns into appreciation. Yeah. You know, Anger, there's nothing. Life is completely unfair, you know. It's just like that's just, <laughs> yeah, definitely. and just accepting that and knowing that I'm gonna do the best I can now. I wish I could change a bunch of things for my dad and help him with the things he's doing, but it was his life. He lived the way he did, and he loved people. He was on a bike ride and had a heart attack. Most healthy guy, you know. And this was a mile eighty out of hundred. It's like. The guy just loved to push it on his own, you know, always helping others and it's mm. can't change that. And it's like, okay, I would love him to be still be here, but it, he did pass doing what he loved. Yeah. So that's one thing, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. And you have to remember too, that, I mean, it's nice to think about, like I'm married to a wonderful man. It's like, I have a wonderful family here and just me and him. Like it's, I mean, we do have extended family, but I'm just, I'm thankful for my, for him. And I'm also just thankful for the parents I had, yeah. you know, and they're still here. It's like just being able to appreciate them because I don't, especially being someone who sought approval from others for so long, mm. James, like it was, it's been very, it's been such a journey to like be able to, you know, just in this last year or two, I think even writing this book was very therapeutic for me just to be able to sit back and say, I don't need someone's approval or someone's hug to feel better. Yeah. I, I got this. Like I got this. I have strength from them. I can be in the car and be completely silent and just listen, just listen to myself. Maybe listen to what my dad would tell me, whatever. And it's like, I don't need, I mean, it's nice to have people give me a hug. It's nice to feel better and have friends, but I don't need that. Like I just need to know I'm okay. I didn't know that I was loved, that I'm loved. Yeah, that's all we need at the end of the day, I think. It's, yeah. At the end of the day, we just want to know we're going to be, it's going to be okay and we want to know that we're loved. Yes. And, you know, underneath all the, all the rest of the stuff, you know, that's what it comes down to. We want to feel like we belong and that, we love, that we're loved and that, you know, that we're not alone and those, those kind of things. And it's going to be okay, you know. Um, yes. Um, and it's interesting, actually, I'm I, just picking up on, 
what you said about your book and how writing your book was was, was therapeutic. Um, I certainly found a lot of the writing that I've done. Is, you know, writing is writing is very. It's a very um, good way of dealing with with what's going on inside. Um, it's, it is. Um, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, all art is. I mean, all art. I would say all art is can be can do that. But certainly, I know that as a writer, being able to actually articulate what's going on and just say yes. it, um, it actually that sometimes stuff comes out you didn't even realise was in there. And yes. Well, I'd say like when I was writing the chapter, which everyone can get basically two free chapters. They go to the website warriorthebook.com you can download them without even pre-ordering the book so you can see the second chapter is about my mom and being a little girl and losing her and just like writing that chapter like initially when I wrote it it was like this is growing up you know I didn't really write the way I felt as a little girl and then I went back and like because I had a dream I think one day you know, I was like, I need to write more about this. This is this person had a huge impact on my life mm. and honestly a huge impact on my mental state. You know, it's like as much as I would like to say, oh, that was fine. I'm a tough little girl. No, I'm pretty sure, you know, that's where things just change for me mentally. It's okay. It happens. It's just being able to deal with that and grieve effectively because I didn't want to grieve. It was too painful when I was little to grieve. But that chapter was, I mean, I went back and rewrote it and it was like, every time I read it, I cry. It's just, it's just real. And, and she was such a special woman and I just wouldn't want that to happen to anybody. However, it does. And so it's, I mean, even now thinking about it tears me up because she was just impact on me and that woman influence in my life. I I need that. Mm. And now I'm like very discerning on what kind of woman I have in my life. There's a woman in my, no, what kind of woman just, I want, you know, I, I choose to have very genuine, authentic, nurturing yeah. women in my life because I need that. I need that. And, um, and over the last couple of years, I've learned I need that more and have let go of relationships, which we all have to do that aren't nurturing that aren't life-giving because it's too hard on my soul. You know, it's like, yeah. a, so, um, but yeah, that chapter just gets me every time. Yeah. So. I like, I can resonate completely because whenever I talk about my mum with people, uh, start getting yeah. into detail and things, um, or even when I'm writing about her and I haven't written much about her yet, but, um, I'm hoping to at some point. Um, yeah, I, I get the same, you know, I, I tear up, choke up, you know. Um, yeah. And that's what happens, you know. Um, and that's totally fine. It's totally fine, totally fine to yeah. do that as well. Um, yes, it, it is. And you know you're not alone too. It's like, yeah. it's it's nice to be able to share. You know, when I lost my dad, I had friends that reached out. Like, I lost my father too. And it's like, you don't like to hear that, but it's also nice to know you're not alone. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Tell me going to be okay sometimes you need that reminder yeah absolutely so 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 okay so you got to um dealing with um your condition that you have um and 
So how did you get kind of from there into what you do now? So that's a good question. Um, I, so I, I didn't, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I had to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Um, cause the Marine Corps really didn't know what to do with me once I said I needed help. You know, it's like, Oh, here's a really good Marine. who's going to go a long way. And then, Oh wait, she needs help with what, you know, let's, let's see her out. So I got out, um, and it was hard because it was like, you just feel like you're kind of kicked to the curb. Mm-hmm. That's the feeling you have. And I just didn't know like what direction I had. Cause I was, I wanted to be a Marine, you know? So mm-hmm. trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life again. Um, I got this opportunity to play softball in Italy. So I played softball, professional softball in Italy for a year. And it was over there when I realized, you know, I don't really like softball anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's fun, and it was a great opportunity to play in Italy. But imagine, here I am with an eating disorder in Italy, the land of food, right? Yeah. And, but it was was over there when I realized I I had to work with a doctor there because they had a physio, a physician and a physio that I worked with. And it was really nice to um, connect the dots between like, oh, I want to do something in medicine. But I don't want to be a medical doctor. Like, I don't want to sit by a desk and prescribe medication. I want to prescribe movement. So I looked into PT schools mm. while I was out there, and I was like, oh, I can start doing my prereqs. I had two years to do, like, pre- all these pre-medical prereqs because I didn't have any background, right? And so I – I mean, my background was political science, of all things, right? Yeah, that's, that's mine as military, well. <laughs> but not – for like medicine. So I went back to school, like literally went to a community college going from like a, you know, a very good private school. I ended up going to a community college. It was very humbling for me. Very good because I got to meet other people, you know, who, you know, just didn't necessarily have scholarships to college or have money from their parents to go to college. So here I am like working to get my physics and chemistry and all that good stuff done and biology. And I met some wonderful people I'm still friends with to, to this day, probably met more people in that, those two year process of me going back to school than at my school. I went college Villanova to Villanova on the East coast, which was actually interesting, you know? So I, um, took me two years to do all my pre-med prereqs, got into PT school, um, and, uh, went through the graduate school process, which was not exciting for me. It was like, Oh my God, I have to do this two and a half years, you know, of of school, more school, (laughs) like how much more school can I take? You know, but here's the thing, like the, during that process of me going to Italy, that's when I, said no to my eating disorder. It's like when I was like, I'm done with this. I am here in Italy and I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of this disorder getting the best of me. And anytime I have a success or a failure in my life, I succumb to it. It's like a bad relationship. And so I literally sat down one day after a night of just like eating disorder craziness, Mm. I woke up, wrote a letter to it, and then since then, so I turned my pain into anger. So I kind of went through this grieving process with my eating disorder. I was like, 
made me sad that I lost games or made me sad that I made me happy that I won games. It made me sad that I was, you know, struggling. I started to get angry at it. Like I'm angry at this thing that's affecting my life. And so I didn't have a successful softball season, but I had a successful time developing my soul, so to speak, when I was there. And I came back. I wasn't, I mean, I was kind of still having, struggling with the eating too much because I was, as a bulimic, you, you binge and you purge. Yeah. Right? So I was eating the same way, but not purging. And so that was the start for me is to not do that act of letting go. Yeah. Like I held on to it. I held on to the feelings, the pain versus letting them go and then feeling it later again. And it's like you just deal with the pain for a little while. You deal with the pain, and then it turned into anger for me. Yeah. Um, just based on my thought process. And then, so when I came back, you know, I slowly, my body slowly went back to normal size, healthy size. Um, then I started dating, right? I had a couple of relationships during my pre med days, and it, the relationships were also challenges for me because I was dating these men who were like wanting me not to go back to school and giving me a hard time for being this educated woman. They're like, I got pressure to be a mother early and to let go of education and be a, you know, just, just a lot of doubt along the way. So it wasn't like I just jumped out of the eating disorder, came back, went to school. It was like, there's a lot, a lot of doubt and challenges along the way from people, from family, from friends, oh man, you name it. And so I'm like, am I really, am I really on this right, on the right path? Cause I did not want to make it. I did not want to, I didn't want to get into something to please others. I wanted to do it for myself. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Do I want to, do I really know what I'm getting into? I did. Cause I did not enjoy physical therapy in the clinic. I even worked in the clinic as an aide and I did not like it. So I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) Right. Why am I doing this? It's kind of interesting. Like if I were a parent, I'd be like, what the hell are you doing, kid? Like, don't, if you don't like physical therapy, then why are you studying it? So, or why do you want to study it? So my dad though, but my dad was always, you know, um, a, a voice of reason for me. He's like, Teresa, you get the degree. Get your degree. Just finish. You started it. You finish it. You can do whatever you want with your license. That's what a license is for. You don't have to fit into the mold of everyone else. If you love fitness and you love medicine, then go do what you love. You don't have to do what these people in the clinic are doing. Go create your own path. And just like him reminding me that was helpful because it's like I, my practice does not fit any PT clinic. Like it's so different. It's so awesome. So flexible, so freeing. And I would like, I'm so happy I can do it, but I, it wasn't, that message wasn't always, I mean, when I went into PT school, when I got out, I worked in a traditional clinic. It was like soul sucking. Like, I mean, I mean, really for someone like me who has been through a lot and is like, you know, it hasn't, things haven't really exactly worked out the way I'd planned, which is part of life. It's like, I needed to, I needed freedom. I needed flexibility to be creative and help people the way I felt they needed to be helped the way I would want to be helped. 
Mm. And I was able to find someone who did something the way I would want to do it. He's a doctor of physical therapy and I just mimicked him. And now he's my good friend and I teach for him all over the country. So it's like, awesome. it was pretty cool. And it was like, you know, but I just had to believe that what I had going on, like my, my education, getting my license was the most important thing. Like just had to finish. And with that, I could do what I wanted. I could be more creative, have more flexibility and freedom. Yeah. I mean, that's so, that's so cool. I mean, that sounds really awesome. Um, I mean, what great advice to give, to give someone, you know, I mean, that, that's that's pretty awesome advice. (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. And so that basically set you on the, on, you know, on the, on the kind of the journey where you are to doing what you're doing now. Yeah. Now it's, you know, what I'm, what I'm realizing now is that, so I started my own business with, you know, I have a table in my car, just show up to gyms and work with people. Now I have a whole team that works with me that travels and does what I do. They're my teammates, right? They're not employees to me. They're my teammates. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing is we're tapping into more of how to help people digitally because there's so many people that don't get good care mm-hmm. and that just don't get good information about movement in their bodies. There's so much crap out there. It's ridiculous. It's just the fitness. I mean, I'm, I'm on, I study fitness. I study medicine and it's just like amazing how many people get sucked into this daily weekly thing that they have to go see someone to get better or, you know, they shouldn't be squatting anymore. They shouldn't be deadlifting or they shouldn't be lifting you know, for a cup in the cupboard, it's like, seriously, our bodies are designed to move. Yeah. They're not designed to be sedentary. You squat onto a toilet, you deadlift your laundry basket. People should know how to do these things. So if any doctor, I'm going to tell your audience, this tells you to stop moving, you can just give them the middle finger or say goodbye, go to a different doctor. That's more, maybe, maybe don't give them the middle finger, you know, like, (laughs) I, I would. How can I imagine? <laughs> you know, totally fine. <laughs> so. so okay, so okay, let's talk about that that part of it um, a little bit more because um, we're okay. going to be just in case anyone anyone listening doesn't know, we're going to what we're going to be doing. Are you um, if you, if you're a regular listener, you'll remember that I had a, guy, a woman called uh, Dr. Kate Hendricks Thomas on. Um, uh, a while back, and we had a really good chat. Woman. Yeah, um, and that's who connected me to Teresa actually. Um, and um, we want, I, we're going to be, I'm going to be having her back, and we're going to be going through the three different main principles in her book in three separate podcasts. And Teresa is going to be um, with us in those podcasts, so we're going to be talking about these things um, using Teresa's knowledge and experience as well as Kate's. Um, as well as kind of my perspective as kind of the you know the spiritual perspective and the whatever that kind of stuff. So um, we're going to be doing that. That's going to be coming up on the podcast really soon. Um, I'm also going to be doing hopefully a live call at some point as well with all three of us, where you can join in and ask us questions. So um, that's that's kind of the idea behind all, what we're doing. Um, um, so yeah, so yeah, just um, what are some kind of in terms of what you do, like in terms of people who are kind of like, I mean, for example, me, I don't, 
at the moment, I don't do as much physical exercise as I should, you know. And uh-huh. I'm at a kind of point where I want to take more care of myself and I want to get more healthy overall because I think, you know, um, our physical our physical health has an impact on our mental health and it has an f- impact on our whole kind of wellness, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So um, what would be like kind of two or three kind of key tips that you would have people who are kind of so, starting out on their on that on that kind of journey so i would say that your so these are think of your health is it's like the important non-urgent things just like in your work it should be the things you take care of daily so i believe that you need to take five to ten minutes of quiet time per day just you can meditate, you can pray, just stillness and quiet it is a great way for your body and mind to balance or start to balance. So it's so often that we're moving all the time and you know, we don't sit still. It's like from the moment we get up, we're going. Our mm-hmm. mind is going, and it's like, why would I want to sit still? Well, there's a therapeutic element to it. <laughs> it's down it can downregulate your nervous system, it can lower anxiety. It allows you to just be. You're a human being right? Just be. Um, it's very calming too, especially if you sit outside and enjoy the morning light. Yeah. The natural light in the morning is very therapeutic. Yeah. I heard that phrase so, once that you were, we're human beings we're not human doings. Uh, right. Yes. You know, so the yeah. second thing is, you know, let's say you have pain in your body, right? I'm a PT. So people come to me if they have pain. So you can do things to help yourself without going to a doctor. So things like you can roll around on a ball, right? You can use a foam roller. You can stretch. You can do strength training. Like do something that takes care of your tissues on your own for at least 10 to 15 minutes a day. So let's say you got a really tight shoulder, Hmm. right? And your neck is referring pain into your neck. Yeah. Well, then get a ball or a foam roller or something and work out that painful area. You're not going to hurt yourself. You know, and it's actually, you don't have to wait for a doctor to say you've got a gunked up neck, now a low back, now an ankle to help you. Like you can start to work on your own hot spots, right? If you got a tight hip, well, then do some work on that tight hip with a foam roller, a ball, maybe stretch it a little bit to help yourself 10 to 15 minutes a day. Like it's better than taking ibuprofen, right? Those non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Who wants to do drugs? Ice doesn't work. I'm going to blow your guys' mind right now. Ice, unless you've got a burn or it's an acute injury, you don't need ice. Most injuries out there are chronic, chronic immobilities, chronic issues. So heat, compression are better. And that's okay. because it allows the inflammatory process to happen. So moving your body, you know, working on the tissue myofascially like a massage, massaging it with a ball, foam roll, whatever, 10 minutes a day. And you don't have to do yoga for an hour to get the benefits, right? Mm. It's like you got stiff tissue, you mash it a little bit, and now it becomes more extensible. Oh, by the way, when you go to a yoga class, now you feel even better. You don't feel locked up. So it's hard to stretch a knot, right? The knot just gets tighter. So work on it myofascially with balls or tools. Um, Check it out or do that. So 10 to 15 minutes a day. My website, movement-rx.com, has a bunch of techniques for free. You can go on and look up videos on how to do different exercises, on how to take care of your joints and soft tissue. 
right? Like how, if you want to learn how to squat appropriately, go to that website. Good stuff. Um, the third thing would be if you want to talk about movement every day. So I would say you want to spend 30 to 45 minutes of some kind of consistent exercise. Like just get your heart rate going, walk, hike, do some weightlifting. Um, I would say do that four or five days a week consistently. It helps with okay. your hormones as well. Yeah. It helps improve your mood, especially if you're in an area and a gym environment or community you like. So I love training at this like really kind of hardcore, more rogue gym in San Diego. I don't like your frilly social butterfly gyms. I don't want a mirror. I just want heavy weights, chalk, and people who like lift weights around me. That's that's me. Yeah, I'm not there to socialize. I'm there to just train and and strengthen my body because I'm very proud of what my body can do. And it's really cool to see myself get stronger every day. Like no longer do I look at the scale or, you know, whatever fat I have on my body. Who cares? We all have fat at some point. You got to have fat, right, to live. It's more like what my body can do, appreciating that. But it's good for your body to, so these non-urgent things, like 40 to, minutes of, 40 to 45 minutes to train a day, 10 to 15 minutes of self-mobility, and then 10 minutes of quiet time. You might ask yourself, where do you fit that in? Because yeah. right? a lot of you are probably parents or are in yeah. school and have jobs. You make the time. You do. Because if you're, typically people don't value their health till to, to they lose it. Don't wait till something goes wrong. Don't wait till a relationship fails to spend time with your loved one. Don't wait until your body fails until you start to want to take care of it. Yeah. And don't blame anyone else but yourself, right? Like it's it's a hard reality, but you are in, you're responsible for you. So just start to do consistent work every day on yourself. Those things will make you more productive, more efficient with your time. So, I mean, like going from... Say you're starting from zero, like you've never, you're not doing, you're not doing exercise at all. Is it why? Would it be wise to build up to doing forty-five minutes rather than just go? Straight sure. Off? Yeah. Well, you know, you can. It's. I would say no. You can do forty-five minutes. It doesn't have to be intense, though, right? You can do. Let's say you go for a twenty-minute walk on the beach or okay. around, and then twenty minutes of strength training. Or 40 minutes of walking, just move, do something moving-wise for 45 minutes. Okay, interesting. So really if that means, so let's say you're like, I'm working 15 hours. Okay, so every hour, you know, every, like, last five minutes of every hour, get up and do some squats. You know, it doesn't have to be all at once. Like, just get in. 45 minutes of work, right? Like I often go to the gym and I do 45 minutes at one time, but there are days when I can't. So I'll fit it in between patients. I'll do some push-ups. I'll do some pull-ups. I'll do something. Yeah. I also do my quiet time. Like I did my quiet time the other day before, um, I had a break between or cancellation. I did my quiet time between patients in my room. Like it was fine. You just, you just learn to fit it in because you, your body, you, but you have to create a habit out of it. It's not going to be like, oh, I've reached this epiphany. This is what I need. 
Hmm. Most people, when stress happens, exercise goes out the door. Self-care hmm. goes out the door. Like, do the alternate, like, do the kind of left face or about face, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, you know, go in the other direction and say, no, now that I'm stressed, now I really need, I need to do this. This is, like, non-negotiable. When you have these non-negotiable times, then you start to respect your time and you start to become way more efficient. Like, there's opportunities to do meetings in the mornings, right? Like, probably for you and for me and for people, those entrepreneurs out there. And it's like, that morning time before 9 is my time. Nothing is going to get in the way of that time. Like, I don't care how good it is. It's like, that mm. is my precious time to train, to eat, to prepare for my day. So it's yeah. work stuff has to get done between 9 and 6 or 7, depending on the day. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, just one more. Th- so, so the three things so far, we, you, you said um, five, ten minutes of meditation, 45 minutes of, you know, exercise of some kind, movement, and then 50, if, you're, and if you've got aches and stuff, 15 minutes of kind of working that. And right, and that even if and you don't have hot spots, but... Like, let's say you sit all day, like, you probably want to work out your hips a little bit, like, stretch your hips. Yeah. Like, just, if you don't even, don't, if, even if you don't have hot spots, just put a ball on your back or your butt or something, not in your butt, but on your butt, and <laughs> roll around, right? And, and see what happens. If it's painful, then you might, might want to stay there. And yeah. you might find that your squat feels so much better, right? It's just yeah. like, yeah. even if there's pain or not, just work on your body every day. Instead of getting that once-a-year massage, give yourself one every day, like for 10 minutes on one area of your body. Shoulder mm. Monday, hip Tuesday, neck Wednesday. Good, good plan. Good plan. Yeah. And one more thing um, about taking care of ourselves. Um, sleep, rest. Um, I'm writing a book right now about identity, and one of the chapters I'm writing is about Sabbath. And the importance of rest, the importance of sleep, and getting good, healthy sleep. Um, what, what? And I know that I, I, having seen your site, I know you've done a bit about that as well. So, what kind of basic kind of wisdom have you got about that? Um, so, sleeping. The research shows that you need seven and a half to nine hours of sleep a night. So, as an adult, like obviously infants need like fourteen or fifteen hours. I wish I was still an infant. <laughs> um, you know, I wish I had the time, no, but yeah, seven and a half to nine hours of sleep, um, allows your cortisol levels to be at a normal level during the day. It allows you to function. It allows your body to recover effectively and your body goes through like this REM cycle stages of stages of sleep. So like the first initial stage or the first part of the night, the first four or five hours are like when your body actually can recover the most. Mm. So you're like just getting four or five hours of sleep is, is not enough though. You need to be able to get that seven and a half to nine hours and it, it will affect your mood. It will affect your efficiency. It'll affect your productivity. So, um, I did an article on it. Um, I got a lot of my research from Ben Greenfield and Sean Stevenson And it's good stuff. I mean, it's like you, you know, at night, the biggest thing is you got to 
your body is exposed to all this light during the day, which increases your cortisol levels, right? And mm-hmm. yeah. allows you to be awake. But then as you get into the evening, this you, we still are exposed to these blue light screens, LED screens, which are bright and keep our body awake. Yeah. And so people are up until the wee hours of the morning and they don't even realize that it's like, that's not good. And so naturally at night you want to, you know, expose yourself, you want to kind of decrease that glare, maybe even stop using your screens at night, stop watching TV or wear these things called amber glasses that you can get for like $8.99 on Amazon. Um, there's also that F the flux app that you can use to limit the blue light that emits on your screen. But like that will help increase the melatonin production. So your body will prepare naturally for sleep because the more you expose yourself to unnatural light, the more your body's going to think it's awake, right? And your body goes and dips in temperature towards the night because you're ready to go to sleep. Yeah. So the ways to help yourself get, set yourself up for good sleep is one, get up in the morning, enjoy the quiet time, maybe enjoy it outside, like look, you know, exposing your naked eyeballs to blue light, which will wake you up, you know, have your cup of coffee, then go about your day. And then as it gets towards dusk, it lit, eliminate that blue light by wearing these amber glasses. I literally wear sunglasses at night. Like that's the song I play at night too. Like, you know, have you heard that song sunglasses at night? No, no, um, that one. Well, you should check it out. It's like, sounds like a cool name for a song. Um, yeah. So I wear these sunglasses at night with my husband. We kind of laugh at each other because we look like, you know, we look like we're in LA, Hollywood. Like, what are we doing <laughs> in our own house? I totally rip on people who wear sunglasses in the restaurant. Not if they have an eye problem, but like, come on, we're inside. Like, don't, this isn't, you know, let's not wear our sunglasses. Your eyes are beautiful. But at night, it eliminates that, like, glare from screens, right? Mm-hmm. So you your body will naturally start to produce more melatonin. And let's say you took a hot shower at night. It'll also help your temperature drop immediately after so your body's ready to hibernate, sleep. So um, just think about those things. First, I mean, those are like good sleep hygiene. Um, I wear earplugs too right. because I don't, I don't really, I don't live, I live outside the city, but just in case, like I want to, I don't want to be distracted in my sleep. Yeah, so. sure. Sure. Well, that's, that's all really, really useful. I mean, you see, to me, I mean, it's all, all of this stuff is connected. I mean, what what um, Kate talked about on her podcast, what you you know, what you talked about, um, taking care of ourselves actually allows us to, you know, you sacrificing those bits of time, you know, maybe an extra hour in bed and an extra hour doing exercise and, and all that time. Mm-hmm. What you give up in that time, actually, you gain in being sharper, having more energy. And being able to do better work when you when you have the time to do that, so taking making those little sacrifices and and using up that time allows you to use the time that you do have more effectively. Yes, um, exactly. Um, yeah, and just have a just be healthier. And I think I think yeah. I mean, in terms of spirituality, I think. Um, and Kate will talk about this a lot more as well, but um, for me, um, 
part of becoming who we're we're created to be um, is about being really healthy. It's about taking care of ourselves because, um, and it's not a, it's not a bad thing to take care of yourself. It's not a bad thing to look after yourself. It's I mean, not it's selfish. No, it's not. It's very different from being selfish. It's very different from, um, you know, being greedy or, you know, uh, being rude or anything like that. Taking care of yourself is really, it's important we all do that because that's how we're going to achieve what we're meant to achieve, what we can achieve. We're going to achieve our maximum. Yes. Um, and that's, that's really, really important for all of us. The yes. world needs us all to be healthy because, I mean, the world gets the rest out of us. Yes. Very true. So good. It's been so good talking to you today, Teresa. I've learned. I've learned so much, and great to talk to you about a bit about grief as well. And you know, because I know that a lot of people yeah. listening will benefit from that too. So, um, and of course, you'll be coming back as well for a few episodes, and hopefully, yes. we'll have you back with a um, have you back on your own as well because I think um, there's loads more we can talk about definitely. So. Um, like perfectionism like you mentioned earlier uh, I think we can do something about yeah. to, to talk about well, that well I think just to for all of you guys listening um, guys and gals I one of the things so why did I name the book Warriors kind of something that people I get asked so just so you guys know like just because I was in the military or an athlete doesn't make me a warrior I think what made me a warrior what I'm most proud of is asking for help and being able to start living my purpose, right? Showing up for myself, like all of those things that I developed over time, just because I finally gave myself the chance to heal, get to know myself, make me a warrior. And so you guys can be warriors too. If you show up for yourself every day and you truly ask yourself, am I living my purpose? Right. It doesn't have to be the perfect job, the perfect life. There's no such thing as perfect. It's like, are you treating others how you want to be treated? Are you loving yourself? Are you finding fulfillment in serving others, serving yeah. your family? Like those things make you a warrior. That was so. literally the question I was going to ask next. Okay, let me get to it. I was going to ask you about what it means to be a warrior because yeah, your book is called Warrior, um, and and you're right. Being a warrior is not yeah. It's about having the courage to you know deal with what's going on inside of you with your conflicts and your pain and your and your your grief and your suffering and you know your addictions and all that kind of thing it's having um you know that takes courage and but we can all do that um you know i mean i had to i mean yeah i, I said earlier i've got i had to confront issues in myself of like overeating and of anger and all these kind and you know things when it came which were kind of linked to yeah, to grief, to a lot of like a lot of your issues were. Um, but when I eventually did face them, it was it was life changing, and you know it was, and um, the pain that you go through, I think, and you'll probably resonate with this. You don't, it doesn't ever go away, but you just learn to deal with it in a lot healthier way. Um, yes, you do. Um, and that actually ends up benefiting a lot of other people as well. So. Yes. So, uh, great. Well, yeah, um, the book Warrior, um, well, it's out um, April 5th. Um, this podcast will go out yes. the week of its release. So um, I would definitely recommend that. Um, 
And yeah, so for your for your audience, know that if you do pre-order the book now, we're giving over five thousand dollars worth of prizes. So like, there's options to for every order, you're going to get a gift, but you'll also be able to enter a raffle that we're doing. Oh right. Involve products that you can win. So just check out the website. It's um, the warrior warriorthebook.com. Cool. Okay, and where where can people find you? Um... So you can find me at drtheresalarson.com. So D-R-T-H-E-R-E-S-A-L-A-R-S-O-N.com or movement-rx.com. So I have my own company, but then I have my own website too that says more about my book. Okay, cool. That's great. Fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, I've already checked out the website. I recommend it definitely. There's some good videos and good resources there and really helpful. So um, definitely. So thank you, Teresa. That's been... uh, Thank you, James. So great Thanks, to everybody. Have you. Okay. Um, all right. Okay. Well, um, I'll talk to you all soon.